Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. This is Don't Miss This. We're super excited that everybody is here. Welcome if you're new. Welcome if you're old. <laughs> Welcome if you're a medium. <laughs> We're happy to have all of you. Um, listen, we've gotten a lot of people who say um, about where, the, get the where to get the papers. We can't see it. We want to zoom in on the papers. And you can get them right now as a download. They come every week um, in our newsletter. newsletter. And the newsletter is that download, also tips on um, if you wanted to teach little kids, or if you have teenagers, or if you're just a couple together, or a group of older people without kids or teenagers. Which we love, all yeah. the empty nesters who study together. Yes. And, oh wait, our favorite one is the email we got from our soldier friends in Afghanistan. Oh, right. So we want to give a special hello to you who are studying over there, and thank you on behalf of a grateful nation mm-hmm. for everything that you are doing and um, so that's really neat. But so we've got those tips in there for like one lesson idea for each of those groups. And then also there's this study guide, which you can fill in as you uh, watch the video or as you study on your own. And, and it's awesome. So that comes in that newsletter. And you sign up for the newsletter at emilybellfreeman.com. Something about a newsletter. Slash don't miss this. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> the link okay. is in her Instagram profile. Emily Bell Freeman, and my Instagram profile, Mr. Dave Butler. That's easy to find there. So um, that's where you can get that. This is the happy news for those of you who are like me, who hate (laughs) printing this every single week, even though I make it every single week. Um, For next year, yes, Don't Miss This continues through the Book of Mormon year. We're committing. Oh, who's happy about that? We've had like 10,000 people ask. So yes, we are doing the Book of Mormon year. And we have these study guide sheets that we are putting into a study journal with extra pages for notes, spots for revelation. We'll show you sneak peeks beforehand. The pre-orders coming up for them. Just that's already printed. The whole year's already printed up into In a bound book. bound journal, and uh, we're super excited about that. So, anyways, in the meantime, newsletter. Then that other thing is coming. So there was that, and I think that's all we wanted to say. I think you did it. Hey, that is right. So today and next week are two spots. Uh, the book of Hebrews is divided into two different groups. So this is a letter that a lot of people actually, there's no indication as to who wrote it. So last week, remember, we ended on um, Philemon, which is the smallest of Paul's letters we know for sure. And now we're starting this one that comes before Peter, Peter, John, 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 James, 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 because um, nobody... <laughs> Should you sing that? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot how it went, but I just sort of, it just was coming to me um, in a vision. But um, <laughs> Hebrews is just stuck in there because people don't really know where when it, it was when written, it, when, to who, to from. Although, this is what we do know, is that it's written to people of faith. So people who already are, have are, believe in Jesus and are trying to follow him in their life and... In the very, oh, it's at the end, chapter 13, that he uses this phrase, the writer, he, says this is a word of exhortation or a, a translation of that we like a little bit better, mm-hmm. is this is a message of encouragement. And the reason why that would have been important is a lot of Bible scholars feel like this was probably written before 70 AD, 
And 70 AD is when um, there's just everything starts falling apart. So these are the saints in the last days of that time, the saints who are holding on when they're just trying to get through. And we love that it is a last day's message, that it's a call to faith, that it is a message of encouragement for those who are just trying to do their best, to live their best in really trying times. Right. As, as the world starts to polarize more and more during their time period, it becomes harder and harder to be a Christian. And it's just, it's, I mean, it's reflective of mm-hmm. our spot. So here is your call to faith. Here is your word of encouragement for our day written 2,000 years ago. So, this is fun. Okay, what we want to start with is right at the very beginning of the book of Hebrews. Um, Paul, uh, I don't know if it's Paul. He's going to say Paul over and over again. So, he thinks it's written by Paul. Just go with that. Okay, so some guy, I got emotional because I thought it was Paul. Um, Some person who wrote this says, is trying to explain throughout the entire book. Remember, this is people who are steeped in the Old Testament culture. And so he's going to teach them like everything that happened in the Old Testament, the high priests, the angels, the Torah, the five books of Moses, the, um, the temple, everything pointed toward Jesus. And that's what he wants to show, but he wants to say, and Jesus is more than all of those. And he says right at the very beginning, God who at sundry times in diverse manners in all different ways and all the time in the past is what that means, spake. Unto our fathers by the prophets. He says, in these days, these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So he says, the gospel message came through all of the prophets in the past in so many different ways. And he said, most recently, the gospel message has come through personified, in fact, by his son. And then he starts listing, like starts talking about almost like here's why, um, how, why that's even better than a message through the prophets. And he starts mentioning, he is king of the universe. Mm -hmm. He's creator of the world. He has sat down on the right hand of of majesty on high and in power. Um, He's all of these things. He's like, he's not just a messenger. He is God himself who's come with the gospel message for, you know, for the whole world. And that's who he is. And the way that he speaks is what we really want to focus on right here. So kind of over right here on this side is this is who he is. That he's actual the son of God, the king of the world, the Messiah, the resurrected one, the powerful one. But he is also um, human is what uh, the writer wants to say. He is God and human at the same time. So we've got these verses right here that we want to kind of look at to talk about that show you know, that, that description of him too. Um, and what I love about this as we go through and look at it is what um, we're being taught in Hebrews is what we're also taught in the Book of Mormon. Um, the word we use is condescension. It's the fact that um, Jesus was a God who actually came down um, to where we are. And we learn why that is so important at the end of Hebrews. And it's just a beautiful message. The Book of Mormon does the same thing. It tells us why we see the reason for that condescension in Alma 7, 11 through 13. But the book of Hebrews does that same thing. So this is gonna go through and it's just gonna talk about on each of these things that he made himself lower than the angels. Oh, I forgot I wrote them all right yeah. here. I was he like, agreed How do you know to those? be the captain <laughs> of our salvation. And you know what I was thinking about captain of our salvation right before you said it was, I love that a, 
You know in Titanic? <laughs> I didn't watch Titanic because I, no, I have the, a rule, everyone. I oh, can't watch sad movies. Yeah, if I give her movie recommendations, she was like, does it end sad? <laughs> I've lied before. But um, not the movie, okay, but the in the real story. story oh, it yeah. might be in the movie. I don't know. But in the real story, um, there's the lifeboats that only save so many people. And it's the captain who chooses to go down with the ship. He's like, I'm not going to leave the ship and I'm not going to leave because a good captain does that. So I love that description of him. He's like, he's the captain of our salvation, meaning he is on the boat with us. And he, and if the ship goes down, he's going down with us, but happily it's salvation, not the captain of death, you know? And he's like, I, I, he's like, I'm going to steer this ship, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to steer it to salvation. Okay. Um, Keep listening. And he's going to sanctify us, right? He's going to elevate us. And then... In um, verse 17, it talks about, um, Wherefore in all things it behooveth him to be made like unto his brethren. Um, so he's made like us. He, he agreed to come down and be one of us to experience what life, what mortality was like, so that he could be a merciful and a faithful high priest. I love that his mortal experience gave him the ability to be merciful and faithful. Right. That that was required for for him to be able to give a fullness of that. It's interesting that like this whole list right here is him of exalted king, but he's a different type of king. Mm-hmm. He doesn't rule from the castle, right? He comes down and he's there among the people. Matthew wanted to give one of the names of Jesus, you remember, Emmanuel, which mm-hmm. means God with us. You know, that he's actually here in our stories with us and everything. So it's just a really, really... Mm-hmm. Um, and the last verse dichotomy. is going to te- <laughs> maybe that was a really big verse. <laughs> the last verse is going to tell us why. Um, and, well, the last verse also tells us he also agreed to come down and um, suffered being tempted. So really, he experienced everything we were going to experience. And the answer why is at the very end of verse eighteen. It says so that he is able to succor them that are tempted and tried and proven. Um, the whole reason he did all of these things was so that he could sucker us. And we love, both of us when we saw the word sucker, immediately went to different translations for that word that we love. The Hebrew, the Greek, and the Latin translation of the word sucker really helps you gain a good understanding of what that word means. Um, so the Hebrew would be to surround or protect. You love that? Um, to surround or protect. The Greek is to aid and to help, and the Latin is his most favorite. Yeah, the Latin one is to run to. Again, that idea of just like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw help from, <laughs> you know, from the top of the parade route. I'm gonna come down to where the problem is. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna mosey to it. You know, yes. I'm gonna run mm-hmm. to where you are, and I'm going to protect you. I'm gonna aid. I'm gonna. So he's able to do that because he is God and has all power, but he also understands perfectly what it means to be human and what it means to be mortal. Um, And it it would be interesting if this is something, a concept that either you struggle with or you wish you understood better, um, go through scripture because scripture is going to testify over and over and over again that this is the character of Christ. Um, in the Old Testament, one of my favorite verses there that testifies of this is Deuteronomy 2.7. But we'll see it over and over. You see it in um, the life of Moses several times. You see it in the life of Joshua. But then when we get to the New Testament, it is just clear. 
Um, you want to look at stories of, um, just ask yourself this question when you think about your favorite stories in the New Testament. When you think of the woman at the well, where was Jesus? And he was at the well. Um, when you think of the man laying on the stairs at the pool of Bethesda, where was Jesus? On the stairs. When you think about Peter walking on water, this is one of my favorite ones. Jesus wasn't in the boat giving instructions and he wasn't on the land calling encouragement. He was in the water and we talked about at Easter, another favorite of mine that um, for the criminal on the cross, Christ met him on the cross. Like when it talks about him suckering us where we are, if that's literal, he really is going to come into the places where we are. That's the character of Christ. That's what he does. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We also love this spot in chapter two, verse four, where he says, God also bears witness of his character and um, of, of his ability to succor through a couple of things. He says, through signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts. And we thought it'd be a really neat thing to um, talk or by yourself, just kind of think back. What are some of the signs wonders, miracles, and gifts that he's given to me or shown to me that show me what his character mm -hmm. is actually like. And that he's there with you. When have you experienced him with you through wonders or signs or miracles or gifts of the Holy Spirit? When have those moments been? Sometimes it's just so good for us to sit for a minute and think, where have I seen Christ in my life recently? Um, what I've learned from teaching seminary is if that is not something that you've practiced on a regular basis you have to go back clear till the summer to think <laughs> did have i seen christ in my life recently mm -hmm. but once you start a pattern of looking you will realize that you can pinpoint moments within even the last 24 hours that you just know the lord is working in your life and what's going to be interesting this will come into play more next week but Paul's actually going to say in order to live with trust you had to have already experienced or tasted God's goodness like you you don't just like believe mm -hmm. like out of the out of the blue out of the whim it's based off of past experiences with him so that's what's so valuable about looking for him in your life because it encourages your hope and it encourages your faith so we'll talk about that a little bit at the end of today but the next time at the end of the book of Hebrews remember we have to split it because you can't do the whole book in church or in one week but it was all one Speech, actually. Yeah, yeah, a a lot of people think like it was meant to sermon. be like writ, uh, read out loud mm -hmm. as an entire sermon. So uh, it would take you 45 minutes if you wanted to read the whole thing out loud. Sometime. What if you just did that for Gospel Doctrine and now we will have yeah. Hebrews? <laughs> the sermon. But read it from the message or no one will know what you're saying. Okay. Um, we love chapter 2, verse 1. Um, one of the things we love about Hebrews, and we're going to see it a couple times, is he carefully points out two opposites on purpose. He'll do that over and over again. This is one of the first times we see that happen. And we love what he's showing here. He says, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. So you have two choices there, to give earnest heed or to let them slip. And when you think about the time they were living in and, and that last days, um, time for them of just when the church was going to go into apostasy and everything was going to change and it was not going to be the way it was when Christ was there. Um, that probably was the battle of their time. There was um, believers who knew to give earnest heed and there were believers who were letting things slip. And the outcome of their spiritual safety depended on those decisions. 
And when we were talking about this lesson, um, both of us just immediately thought, well, what is one way we can give more earnest heed? Like if you were to look at your life right now, where is one place you need to give more earnest heed? Um, don't choose 20 things. That feels overwhelming, but maybe just choose one. There's just a little box right here. Just choose one place that you maybe could give more earnest heed. And we love that it's in conjunction with what we've already been talking about. He's not saying give more earnest heed to God or else. What he's done is he's taught in conjunction like give more earnest heed to the one who's shown you signs and wonders and miracles. Give more earnest heed to the one who created the world and sits as king of kings. Give more earnest heed to the one who, who went lower than the angels so that he could suffer temptation and mortality with you. Like those, that like exhortation from whoever this is comes in conjunction with who you're giving more earnest heed to. It's not a stranger. There, there was this line, um, where is that? Uh, the yeah. sanctified one. Look at, look at this one right here. He says, for both he that sanctifieth, that's Jesus, and they who are sanctified, that would be us, are all of one. Meaning like through that process of being sanctified, we become more one with him. He says, for which caused he not ashamed to call them brethren. I love that part. Yeah, it's like when, when you've been through that, those holy experiences with him, you know that he's not ashamed to be with you. And then now the call is, will you be ashamed to be with me? You know? <laughs> yeah. um, so it's, it's, uh, it's together, it's in conjunction that happens. As he, as he um, sets us up for this more earnest heed, he actually goes through in this message of encouragement and says, let me give you some ideas. Like if you can't think of something you want to do, let me just give you some ideas of what it might look like to give more earnest heed. And we love, these are just those great one-liners that sometimes we see through this second half of the New Testament. Starting in chapter 3, he says, harden not your hearts. That's one. Take heed. Exhort one another. We love this one in verse 14 so much. This makes me think of Elder Holland. Every time I read it, I don't know why, but it's that oh. hold fast to the uh, things that you know. And he says, hold the beginning of your confidence. I just love that. He's like, go back to that moment when you knew. Um, that moment when you, um, that those first moments of conversion when you just had that fire. Hold on to that. At the beginning, I, th I think that is such good advice. Hold the beginning of your confidence. And then he says, and with that, stay steadfast unto the end, right? Because if it was right a year ago, it's still right today. If it was right five years ago, it's still right today. And that's why, again, coming back to that whole idea of like, mm -hmm. come back to those past memories and experiences when you've tasted and, and experienced that. And just holding on to those evidences. We're going to talk about that more but there is just something about holding on to the evidence and, of your faith and this one that um the where it says um in verse 13 is that not on here <laughs> oh here it is okay i was like wait we forgot the best my favorite one i love that he says exhort and remember exhort also means encourage one another um daily while it is called today i, I love that concept of a community of of faith that you have to encourage each other. We have to encourage each other every single day. That is how fragile faith can be. That is how fragile hope is that it requires a daily. No one's saying like do this or else. It's like this is just, it, it just is, remember Harold Bewley, it's harder to hold 
um, than a moonbeam. Yeah. You know, I remember visiting somebody um, in our neighborhood who was just going through a struggling time, and uh, and I came back from it, and I said to Jenny, um, "There are some problems that are just not going to be fixed, at least in the near future." And I said, "I think our job is just to carry some people throughout all of mortality, mm. because." that's not going to be solved. The problem might not go away. And so what do you do? That person who's got the problem has just got to surround themselves with people who encourage Which and exhort so them their good. whole life. I last night um, was walking over to a neighbor's house and saw another neighbor coming out of that house. And who loves when you live in a neighborhood where neighbors just come and go? I wish that happened every night in our neighborhood. That's totally my personality. But um, we, one of our kids is really struggling right now. And as I was walking into the house, this other neighbor stopped me and they were like, listen, um, we just want you to know we know what's going on and we're aware of the situation. And will you call that child and tell them we believe in them and we're praying for them? Mm. And um, it just lifted my heart because sometimes people either forget or they're like, we probably shouldn't talk about that, you know, like we we should probably just let them be handling that. But it was so nice for someone to be like, we know what's happening. We're totally aware of the situation. And we just want you to know, we love you. We're praying for you. There's just strength that comes from being encouraged. Yeah, every day, mm -hmm. every day. Does it make right? you want to think to yourself in the past 24 hours, have I encouraged anyone? Mm. Um, like, are, are we really living intentionally to be that voice of encouragement and nobody ever like doesn't want encouragement you know mm -hmm. like i might not need you to come in and solve anything and you probably can't but nobody ever dismisses encouragement sometimes we think well maybe i'll wait until you know things mm -hmm. kind of settle down or whatever it's like that's not when i need you when i need you is while things are riled up yeah. that's when i need you to <laughs> encourage me not when they've yes. settled down yeah so we love that one um the last two. I keep looking at this. I know, and that's so, so confusing. <laughs> uh, believe. And then the last one is also, this is probably your is, best one. This is your best one. The whole one. first half of Hebrews. Please bless that everybody's gospel doctrine teacher teaches this first. Because, and if they oh, don't, no. just raise your hand and be like, I'd like to add one verse to the lesson. <laughs> it's the best verse. 416. Um, it says this Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I just, I love that thought about come boldly. Like, don't be afraid um, that we look at the Savior and we look at him saying, I'm going to come where you are. I'm going to be where you are. I'm in this with you. And just come boldly into that relationship. You, you're allowed, right? Yeah. The verse before it is great. It says, because we don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. We don't have one that doesn't know what it's like. We don't have a king who grew up with a silver spoon, right? He was in all points tempted like we are, and yet without sin, meaning he has the power to overcome it, and he also understands it at the same time. So you can, like, there is this idea of if, if he knew what I was really like, or what know? I was going through. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, but, but, and you feel timid sometimes, you know, it's like, I don't feel permitted. And this is the invitation. No, mm -hmm. you, you are not only allowed to approach the throne of grace. Um, please come boldly to the throne of grace, exactly as you are. Mm -hmm. You don't have to get washed up before you come. He is the one who will do the washing. Yeah. 
Yeah. So come boldly to that to that throne. Yeah, it's so good. This oh, is such a good love verse. That one okay. So much. Um, then, okay, and then we this? love this yeah. one too. Four two, um, it says this: For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not them profit is, the them, people who are no longer believers. No, the the past people. It's oh, the past. He's like, remember back in the wilderness with Moses, they also were preached the gospel, but they didn't enter into the rest. They, it didn't profit them. So I think, I mean, you really can look at it as they're... Either group. For some really reason, the gospel makes a change for some people, and it doesn't make a change for some people. He's acknowledging that um, there are some who hear the gospel, there are some who hear the word, and it actually, it, it doesn't affect them. It doesn't change them um, because... It wasn't mixed with faith in them that heard it. And mm. I love this verse so much because he's teaching us the, the word by itself, the gospel by itself in a person, the conversion power has to be mixed with faith. We, we've got to give something back to it. The word comes in and faith is going to prompt us to act. It's going to prompt us to do something. It's going to prompt us to become something different. And it's, the mixing of faith and gospel or the word is the mixing is when the miracles start to happen. Yeah. And I love also reading that as, because I love that word faith as a um, the trust as a synonym for faith, where it's like, you can't just hear the gospel, but the gospel is meant to lead you to trust in God. Right. And if it's not leading you to that, if the word's not leading you to him, the word can't be the end game. Mm -hmm. It's got to be leading you to relationship and trust with him. And that's when the power comes in. Yep. And um, as you go through this, um, this thought of the rest that is going to come, um, it, it, that leads right into three that says, for we which have believed do enter into that rest. And um, for some reason, for the last two weeks, I have had so many conversations with friends and just women that I know that have um, talked about, there is a great power in belief. There is a great power in faith. Um, you think about, I don't know if anyone ever makes caramel corn, but my mom has this really unbelievable recipe that I love so much, and I should put it in there. I don't even know what fall. that is. Caramel corn? Yeah. What? Popcorn? With caramel on it, and it's sticky, and you pick oh, it up, and yeah. there's a big caramel pop popcorn. Caramel corn. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm thinking like corn, well, you know, with caramel on it. I was like, ooh. It's caramel popcorn. Okay, okay. Uh, okay, everyone, sorry. go back. Sorry, sorry, so sorry. So you sorry. make your white popcorn, and then you home make the caramel. And the best part of my mom's recipe, and we would all gather around when my mom made it when we were little, because there is a moment when she pours in baking soda, and do you know what happens? Bubbles? Yes, it, like it's going to come out of the pot. You watch it almost come out of the pot because there is just something about adding that into the mixture that all of a sudden makes it come alive. That's what I think mm. of when I read this verse. It's such that a it's, fun image. I'm so happy about that. You just need that mixture. Everybody has to do this for your activity. For We'll put it in the newsletter. We'll put it in the newsletter the and you'll be because, so happy. And then you just teach the lessons like, and this is faith. Yeah. Don't make it beforehand. <laughs> Make it while everybody's watching. That is really cool. And also, a word of warning: don't use a small pot because it will it will come out. So, like my mom's pot is like, I need all my hands right now. It, my mom's Both. pot's like this big, like this. Okay, and you're making it in the bottom, so you think you don't know why you're using such a big pot, 
But then when you put that in, it all comes out. That's awesome. This is so it's fun. Super fun. Um, this is going to come up again. So let's just bring it up right now. Where he talks about entering into his rest. Remember in Matthew 11, Jesus describes rest as coming into a yoke with him. So rest doesn't necessarily mean the end of trouble. One day it will. One day it means that. But rest means like in the yoke with him. So well, like to believe, to be in companionship and with. And another good definition for rest would be, and it, we don't use this language very much anymore, so it's, it, it's not as familiar with this, but um, I have a vase that I love. It's my grandma's. It's cut glass. It seriously is my favorite vase that I own. And um, I usually only use it once a year when my peonies come into bloom because they are so pretty in that vase. And I can remember walking one year from my kitchen into my bedroom. And I wanted to put that vase somewhere where everyone could see it. Um, and I had this shelf and I was like, oh, if I put it up there, you'll see the flowers and the vase really, really well. But I don't trust the shelf. It leans mm. out from the wall. So I can't rest it on the shelf because I don't trust the shelf. Mm. And there's something about that word rest when you think about trust that you can rest on someone or something when you trust that it's stable enough to allow you to rest there. And I love thinking of that when he says, if you just believe, then you can rest, right? Because he's going to sucker you. He's going to help you. He's going to um, allow his atonement and his grace to work in your life. You can rest on that. You can trust that that is going to happen yeah. for you. Yeah. That's going to come up again at the end right here when we get into this hope spot. Mm -hmm. And then again with the faith next time. Remember all one sermon. Okay. Let's talk about this thing right here. Yeah. This um, is a in great chapter five. Um, again, it's just, he he's talking about Jesus, um, who he says, even though he was a son, the son of God, he learned obedience or um, I like in the message, it says trusting obedience or the in Greek, Greek, it's attentive hearkening and submission. Do yeah. you love that? Obedience is attentive listening and then submitting to what you've heard. Yeah. I, I kind of never want to say the word obedience again. Yeah, because it gives like a... Task list, yeah. a checklist, right. chores. Okay, let's say those words again. Um, trust, attentive listening, and, and submission is what, def is what obedience means. And he learned those things. He learned how to trust. He learned how to attentively listen and how to submit by the things which he suffered. And um, I love it starts with even though he were a son. Because sometimes you might say to your, you might say, wait, if I really am a son of God, if I really am a daughter of God, would he be allowing me to have this type of mm -hmm. circumstance? You know? Um, the soldier said it to Jesus when he was on the cross. If you really were the son of God, would he have let you be crucified? And Satan says it to him in the wilderness. If you really were the son of God, would he have left you hungry? Would he have left you without any followers? Would he have left you without a kingdom or a house to call your own? If that's really who you were. And, it, and, and it's interesting. It's because, no, it, it really is through the suffering that he learned how to, to listen, how to listen. attentively. And submit and, right. and to let go of the things that were going to hold him back from relationship with the Father. Yeah, and you think sometimes not. I, I had this experience once where I was um, in, in a hospital room 
uh, over in Israel, actually. It was, hopefully that doesn't happen again <laughs> and on our trip. Um, and in there, and I, 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 yeah, that's true. No, it's <laughs> I remember thinking about, I was just in a really, really low, painful place and everything, like it was just bad, 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 bad. And, uh, and I remember thinking about this whole concept of Jesus knows how you feel and, and he suckers you. And I was reading that in the scriptures and I actually like just threw them like just off the bed. Um, and I was like, I, that doesn't even matter. Like who cares if he understands how I feel because like he's not doing anything about it. So if he really understood me, then he would fix the problem is the conclusion. I was like, so who cares that he understands, right? And, and it was interesting how as, as the days passed, the lessons that I learned through my suffering the lessons of, I, I became more humble and listened. And I remember coming back from there, my grandma asking me, he's like, would you go again if you, no, I actually said to her, even though all of that happened, I don't want to trade everything that I learned from the experience. Because I, I hear God's voice with a little bit more tenderness now. Um, I submit to him in a new kind of way. I trust him differently and it all came through a suffering experience that that happened. And she was really mad because she was like, well, we all were so worried about you. <laughs> like, why would, she said, why, why would you, she said, why would you put me through that again? Oh, as that she said to so me, awesome. gee, love you. But that's, but, that's that whole concept, yeah. right? Where it's just like, and I also learned like that there is something about, he was like, no, he didn't take those away. But just knowing that he knew and mm -hmm. sensing his presence, like he was like, he was just present through most of it. Yeah. And why did he take away the suffering? Well, because that's where he learned those lessons. And think about it. Suffering. Think if that is true in your own life. Like if you look back at some of your hardest moments, did you learn how to listen more attentively? Um, like for me, that is so true because I was so desperate for suckering for anything that I, I made myself submit to the point that I could listen more attentively because I, I was desperate for help. That's where I was. And I think there's just sometimes um, it's, it's like fasting on Sunday, right? There's something about submission for our body that allows us to hear better, to listen more attentively. And I think that's what he's trying to teach. It's not yeah. just on fast Sunday. It actually can happen with our trials. It can happen over the course of our life. And it doesn't just happen for us. It happened also for him so he understands the process right what that is like so when we ask the same question does god really value me am i really his son am i really his daughter if this is happening it's like well look at the story of jesus and and absolutely you know absolutely are the temptation though is um that when we've you said i'm desperate and it's interesting and when doctors can't do anything when friends can't mm -hmm. do anything when family can't do anything you, you do feel like um, alone, right? And it's like, what am I gonna learn in those alone moments? Man, these are, this is, but Jesus has been there, right? He's been to that place. And so there is something to learn. Mm -hmm. And if you're in the middle of it, hold out because there is something uh, to be learned through the experience. And, and tender, tender lessons you will never want to let go of. Yeah. Um, and I think that same thing you said to your grandma, um, those are words I've said, and I'll never forget sitting on the porch of a dear friend who had just lost a, a baby, an 18-month-old baby. And um, 
asking her that question, would you give up the memory of that child so you didn't have to go through all the things you went through over the past 18 months? And, um, and her answer was just the same, no, I would do it all again. It's so funny how we would choose to do the worst thing that ever happened in our life again simply because of what we learned about Jesus Christ. And that's mm -hmm. what she said. I'll never forget that mother saying, because of what I learned about Jesus Christ, I would, I would never give up that experience as hard as it was and as painful as it was, I would never give it up. And isn't it interesting that it's when it's over and we're looking back that we have that feeling? Because when you're in the middle of it, you don't feel that way. Mm -hmm. um, think of the disciples on the boat during the storm. In the middle, of the, storms by nature make it impossible to see, even God. Yeah. You can't even see God in a storm. And it's not until, remember Matthew writes the storm story mm -hmm. after the resurrection. He's recollecting that story. And he's like, oh yeah, he, he was actually there. He, he, he really was there. And looking back, it becomes this. Mm -hmm. But in the middle, oh, it's so hard. Yeah, you just have so to kind hard. of, this is so why we encourage each other daily, yeah. right? It's because like when someone's in it, they need someone else to encourage to them, them. And during that's, it. That leads us to our last thing, which we love because we get hope from the people who have already lived it before. And the writer of Hebrews is going to teach us that. He's going to tell us, um, if you're in it, if you're in a place that isn't hopeful, you got to look back to someone who's lived it before and rely on them. And I love one of the things that he does in Hebrews 6. Um, he, he starts talking about um, Abraham in verse 13. When God made the promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And I love that he takes us back to Abraham because think about Abraham's promise. Abraham's promise really was the promise of saying, oh, there's no way that can happen. Let me list you all the reasons why that isn't gonna happen. I have no children. Do you know how old my wife is? And that wife has one son. She doesn't have 10,000, right? That if you look at it logically and you're like, I don't know if that is right or if that's going to work out. Um, and I love that that's the one he takes us to. He's like, let me take you to the one that makes the least amount of sense. <laughs> the promise that just, because then you look at your promise and it, it's probably easier for God than Abraham's yeah. promise was. And um, I love when we look back at Romans because um, this is why you think maybe Paul was the one who wrote the letter because he's going to go back to this language the same thing. Yeah. in Romans where he was trying to give hope again. And um, he says this, listen, let me take you back to Abraham, who against hope believed in hope. Um, and being not weak in faith, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. And here in Hebrews, he says that same thing. He says, when God said, surely blessing, I will bless thee and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And then I love this part. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. That's verse 15 back in Hebrews 6. Yep. And I just, I love the thought of that. Like you might be in a place of patiently enduring. That might be where you are. You might be in the waiting place. Um, just in that moment where, God is working in the waiting, and, and you maybe don't see the working taking place, but you're just patiently enduring until the promise is manifest. And then he says to you um, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation 
who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. And so then you start thinking, well, what is the hope? What is the hope set before us? And um, he says in verse 19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Um, and then in verse 20, he just says these two words that are so powerful at the end of this, even Jesus. That is the hope. Um, that he, and as you look at this paper, the one who is greater than all, right? He's, he can overcome anything. He's, he's bigger than anything you're facing, but he came down to where you are and experienced it. And, he, and you've got all these words of encouragement um, to be able to get through and that patiently enduring. And what are you going to put in front of you the whole time to remind you? Um, even Jesus. Just that promise of someone who's bigger than this and who has experienced this. Um, even Jesus. And the suckering that will attend you through in, that process. In every experience, both of your past and every experience of scriptural past, of every experience of family members past, will show you that same exact story. It's like Abraham's promises really did come true. Like God followed through. He didn't lie. He, he made them happen. And in the story of Jesus, they happened also. He really did rise from the dead. And so for these Hebrew saints and for us, like we look back on that and we're like, wow, he really does do the impossible things. I can lay hold on that with both of my hands onto that hope and endure patiently. I can rest on, yeah. on even Jesus. Yeah, so good. Okay, so there's Hebrews week one. Um, next week we'll have week Hebrews two. week two. Good. See you then. See ya. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.